here today with Dr. Julie Vaughn, who's in from New York, who's a clinical director, an author, and a holistic fertility specialist. Hi, Julie. Hey, Nikki. Thanks for coming and joining us I'm today. I'm so happy to be here. So I'm super matched out, and I have a million questions to ask you, but let's start with just your background and how you got into holistic wellness. Mm-hmm. Well, it's changed somewhat, but when I first started studying alternative medicine over 20 years ago, um, most people who were in alternative practices had some sort of healing journey or healing path within their own health that led them to look for alternative ways of thinking about medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, more and more people see it. And this is what happens with any kind of alternative thinking. Like the first person who goes through it is like the first person who goes through the jungle with like a small little knife. And then like the next people have machetes. The next people have like, you know, go-karts or whatever. So the path becomes bigger and bigger. And that's why it's also important to to pave new paths of consciousness, like to not just accept the ones that are given to you. Mm -hmm. But, um, so I, like many other people, um, had severe health issues growing up in my childhood and, uh, I had a lot of terrible asthma and hospitalized a lot. So when I got to, um, university and I was studying, uh, philosophy and medical ethics, and I decided to go to Western medical school, um, around that same time, a friend of mine who, he was just one of those like special people in my life, kind of a key holder, like literally dragged me to their Chinese medicine doctor in wow. Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Is and that where you grew up or that is, that's, well, you... that's where I, yeah, basically I grew uh-huh. up in central Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, um, just through the process of, uh, listening to this alternative consciousness and alternative structure of thinking about health um, and and also complying with all the things that he suggested for me, I just had a sea change. And I turned my path, much to my family's like uh, dismay. And I studied, I started studying traditional Chinese medicine when I was 21. Wow. So at that time, I was think the youngest person in the country to do it here in the United States. Wow. Um, now more and more people are doing it mm-hmm. at younger ages, but most of the people who I studied with, it was their second career at mm-hmm. that time. And, and so I, I did that. I did a master's in Austin. Um, and then I moved to New York city to join my, my husband and my partner. And, um, I decided to continue on and get a clinical doctorate, which I did in San Francisco and in Shanghai. And I focused in on women's health and reproduction. So that's incredible. It was very clearly laid out for me, that path. So you implemented it in your own life and you saw changes with your asthma and what yes. else was going yes. on? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always had a very curious mind. Mm-hmm. So the concept of the the mind body connection was always intriguing to me to think about how, you know, thoughts impact biology or how in the realm of ethics, which is a very, it's a a realm that needs to be considered more and more because ethics are very situational Mm -hmm. and within medicine, both Western allopathic medicine and alternative medicines or different structures of yoga, et cetera, ethics tend to be a little bit compromised these days. So I was just intrigued by the idea of, of how to provide a different pathway and to really empower people in in like a sense of sovereignty when Mm -hmm. it came to their health, their, their consciousness, how to break free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So when did you meet your partner, your husband? 
Well, I actually met him at a dinner party when I was 22 in New York City. So and we were friends before we got together. Wow. But it was a great confirmation that I was on the right path because yeah. he's um, he's been practicing a lot longer and doing a lot of integrative medicine. And he's a, um, he does more integrative psychiatry and, and does work for people who are um, on that end of, of, mm-hmm. of looking for answers. And so you both moved to New York. He was already in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I moved to New York. I was imported. Mm-hmm. As people say, you have to import people to New York City. <laughs> so hard to find good partners there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, so we, he had a practice already established. I joined that practice. And that's the one that I went to? No, that's an additional office. Oh, okay. So now we have three yeah. offices, new clinic in New York City, one in Williamsburg, one in Soho. And I go to the Upper East Side one day a week too. And we're starting one here in LA as well. So yeah. And then, so how did you get into specializing in fertility then? Yeah. I mean, you obviously studied, you were saying in Shanghai, mm-hmm. you. That came a little bit after. Yeah. So when I moved to New York City, I kind of opened a more generalized practice um, as far as I wanted to see everything. But probably my third or fourth patient in New York uh, came to me looking for help um, with the fertility process. And this was. 15 something years ago. It it was fascinating for me, just that first experience of working with her because it did expose something so interesting about when you decide to get pregnant is that, and it's not happening, is that there's so many realms that you can start to look into as to why it's not occurring. And that was just like amazing to my curious mind. Like, how can we help to figure out what is the point where, why this isn't happening? Yeah. Um, so we had great success with a somewhat traumatic story from her part. And I, from that point on, it's just been what I've done. I've probably helped hundreds and hundreds of people get pregnant now. And I've been called the baby whisperer uh, in Manhattan magazine. And I've just done a lot of different, um, more specialization just in fertility, um, not only in Chinese medicine or alternative medicine, but integrating a lot of psychoanalysis and trauma work um, and some higher level like medical intuition and, and spiritual work. As and well. those are things that you would. So like you're saying, it's, mm-hmm. spe- it's specialized to each person. Everyone's so different. Each yes. case is different. So when you would find I mean, how would you navigate that? Like, you'd be like, oh, I should go learn more about this particular thing because I think that that's what's affecting this mm-hmm. client of mine. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. Um, because your background is in Chinese medicine, but then you obviously stay up to date and learn more on all. When you're working with somebody who's in a place of, of suffering or is in a place of illness, um, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it as a healer. Like, you can really come in there and be... Um, a compassionate, like, person to go through the battle with them. You can yeah. get in there and you can be more of, um, um, like, a somebody on the sideline, an intellectual advocate who can help them navigate it in their own path. When it comes to fertility, it, you need somebody who, more than anything, just holds the space to tell you that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to happen. And I know it's going to happen. Um, and that's a bit of a, it's a leap for a lot of people and a lot of people are afraid to practice that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to actually tell somebody that, but for me, that's always, that's always been the case. When I know when somebody walks into my office and they sit there with me and they say, do you think it's going to happen? I'm like, you're here. I know it's going to happen. Aww. You found me. I got the chills. I know it's going to happen. Yeah. 
I'm 100% sure. The timeline, I don't know. We have, that's cosmic timing. That's not in our, that's not in either of our hands. Like, and so how can we best, what do we need to do to really like get you, your body, your mind, your spirit in the best place possible to go into conception, pregnancy, birth, and the raising of a small child. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a little bit of a, you know, you just over years of practice and that's when practice really becomes something important in developing theory, yeah. right? can have all the theory in the world that you want, but unless it's like on the ground working, mm-hmm. what does it matter? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's been the blessing of being in New York city as I've been able to see, you know, 40, 50 people a week for over a decade. So you get a lot of like on the ground, yeah. this works, this doesn't. So what are the different types of issues that people come to you for fertility? Mm-hmm. So some people want to, I mean, all types. I, yeah. Yeah. But okay. So some people want to freeze their eggs, let's mm-hmm, say, mm-hmm. is that something that is more Western medicine based? And so how do you, so yeah. you're integrative medicine. I am integrative. Medicine. So you help them with that. Mm-hmm. I would say, yes, it's funny because when you look at infertility statistics or Western medicines um, and allopathic medicine is what I mean by Western mm-hmm. medicine, how it's practiced, reproductive endocrinology yeah. in America. Um, you, you know, if you're trying to get pregnant, you have a certain amount of time um, that your, GB, your GP or your OB will give you, OBGYN will give you. Like if you're over a certain age, you get this amount of time. If you're under a certain age, you get this amount of time. But when it comes down to getting to your reproductive medical doctor, most people will say, you know, everybody hears the age 35, right? They're like, oh, there's something about 35. Something about my eggs will happen at 35. And if you actually actually look back at like Chinese medicine classics, 35 has always been an age listed for, you know, thousands of years as wow. well as a time when the energy of the kidney energy or the baseline energy, constitutional energy for reproduction starts to it kind of plateaus and starts to kind of fade. But it's not something that is like a hard law. Like it depends mm-hmm. on the life that somebody's lived. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think that you have to really work individually with somebody because a 35 year old who, you know, perhaps wasn't like me, a really sick kid who took a lot of steroids and medications and, you know, had worked really crazy hours in New York city or like did, you know, excessive stuff, probably who lived in a very nice you know, relaxed life, very balanced emotionally, spiritually, not much trauma, mm-hmm. good, good food. That's a different 35 year old, right? Yeah. So it's, um, how do you, that hard law, that hard stop is not something that I find. Um, I don't find it to be a clinical like truth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always when people ask me about the question of timing, um, I say it's, um, you know, it's not so much about, it's more about timing, timing. It's more about time than timing. It's more about timing than time. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning that like, it's more about like cosmic timing than your actual age. So bringing that all back around to what you were asking, when it comes to egg freezing, you know, some people say the younger you do it, the better. That's not necessarily true. I mean, what if you're trying to do it in your late twenties and you're working some crazy internship and you're working 80 hours, is it better to do it then than 32 when you've got like a nice consistent yoga practice and a good job. And I don't know. So I I think that it really just depends on where the person is and like what kind of support they need. Yeah. That makes so much sense. But I have supported a lot of people through egg freezing. I had a patient, 
um, one of my most loveliest, amazing people in the entire world to ever work with, who um, is an executive in New York City, and, and she froze her eggs in her late 30s and went on to um, just have a baby very healthily in her late 40s. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me about your book. Your book's coming out in 2019. Mm-hmm. That's soon. Mm -hmm. Are you done writing it? No, no. Okay. I'm writing it right now. <laughs> and what is it going to be about? Yeah. So it's, um, we're not exactly pinned down on the title yet, but the subtitle is Practical Magic for Calling Your Baby Home. Mm. Um, and it's all about basically, it's the infusion of my own life experiences and, and medical intuition mm -hmm. and in practice. And I talk about basically how to prepare for getting pregnant and also how to go into it with like a lot of sovereignty. And what I mean by that is it's not a book about infertility. It's a book about fertility, mm -hmm. right? So whether or not you're having problems or you're just thinking about going into getting pregnant, this book will help you navigate your way. Um, it starts off, the first couple of chapters are about the effects of trauma mm -hmm. on our body, on our um, sexuality and our reproduction. Um, it's trauma from this lifetime, trauma in your relationship or disconnects in your yeah. relationship that might be happening, which happens a lot. Infertility, you know, this idea of, oh, the timer's up. It's time to have sex. Like that's some not, it's not a it's great not turn on. Yeah, right? no. So, you know, if it, you're having it, if that's happening over and over again, then just the idea of trying to get pregnant can create a disconnect in your relationship. Mm -hmm. So how to navigate that, how to continue to find the space of intimacy that's you know, fun and like as high up as possible as far as remembering what it's all about, your love and your connection. Yeah. Um, but there can be other things that happen to us in our lifetime that go in and can break the energy connection between our brain, our heart and our uterus. Mm -hmm. So, and there's ways to repair that. So we talk a lot about that in the first couple of chapters of the book and the importance of that. That's so beautiful. And like I mentioned to you, I just found out that I'm pregnant mm -hmm. and I spent so much time in the, in the bookstore and there are so many books on pregnancy and postpartum, but I didn't actually see much about fertility. And I think that's so nice and so special to offer that support and, you know, in your, in your writing to someone who could well, really it is use a magical, it. Magical thing, you, yeah. you know, and it's a thing that across the board you can deal with you can work with anybody like and when you start to get pregnant or wanting to get pregnant it's there's something just magical that happens there mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a neutral space mm -hmm. that everyone on the planet can meet in this yeah. idea of the sacredness um that's one of the reasons I also love it there's something very like connective about how we hold um our children just as a planet and then we kind of like we kind of lose it, you know, like there's just this couple of moments, these couple of years where it's like, ah, oh, this is what matters. Yeah. And then other materialist things come in. And, and so I, I feel like it's, um, it's another part that's really just wonderful to work, work with the people. Mm -hmm. But most of the books that are out there are geared towards pathology. What's wrong. Yeah. Exactly. And that's not my take at all. I think the, the default is that everyone's your body, my body, are healthy, powerful bodies. And there's no reason to think that there's something wrong, you know? Yeah. And I think 
a lot of times it turns into a checklist mm-hmm. of things to do. Mm-hmm. Like you said, a supplement to take or a letter that you need to write to your future baby because <laughs> you haven't called them in yet. Mm-hmm. And you have to do like a million different things to prepare and detox. And it, um, and while that, I think those are all great things. I think again, it's just like taking anything, um, so seriously and stressing out over it. It's, doesn't feed you anymore so whether it's with food or fitness or whatever it is it's at some point you take a step back and you're like wait what what am I doing exactly well and that actually is one thing that came up with my with my clinical practice Mm -hmm. after a few years of being in it people they could come to me and they'd say well acupuncture is great for relaxing and managing stress and that's what helps with pregnancy right Mm -hmm. it's like Maybe I, I'm not sure. Like, I don't, yeah. I get that. And I understand the connection between acupuncture and balancing the endocrine system, but there's also this idea of it just putting you into a receptive state. Like when you just go from like action to receptivity, when you, and that's what a lot of self care is really mm-hmm. rooted in. It's not about the checklist. It's about giving you time to, to take hear it yourself, yeah. right. To hear your, your higher self, your guides, you know, the whispers of your spirit, the whispers of your baby. Mm-hmm. So Aww. it's not about like, yeah, I think it becomes too analytic for a lot of people mm-hmm. and it's something much more not analytic, yeah. much more receptive. Well, especially with all the biohacking going on, yes. which is so cool in a way. But again, that's when it becomes just bringing tech and analytics into your health and while that's great, there's so much, it's so much beyond that, basically. It's yes. so much more about energy and, um, uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I have clinical proof to yeah. show you that it is so much like more about energy. And like you um, how I love everything that you say is so profound that I'm like, oh my God, that those like three <laughs> words are just like, they killed me. They're so good. You were, but mind body we talk about mind mm-hmm. body all the yeah. time but it's so true just the way your thoughts affect your health mm-hmm. and the it affects your blood work it mm-hmm. affects everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's unbelievable yeah to watch that change too like for me i mean you were saying that you do psychoanalysis and um i've worked with a practitioner who does so he's like my primary care doctor mm-hmm. but we also do mentorship and mentorship and therapy and cool. it's really helped me with my thyroid awesome issue and and certain things and I just find it so incredible and I just want everyone to have access to to that or just to understand it a little bit more and mm-hmm. um and know that it's not it's not weird just because we can't see it. Yeah. Amen. Yes. It's yeah. not weird just because we can't see it. With exactly. acupuncture, people are so much, I don't know. I mean, acupuncture is becoming such a popular thing. It is. Yeah. And um, people are understanding the points and mm-hmm. the meridians. Mm-hmm. And then, but really it's the energy. It's the mm-hmm. energy that's flowing through mm-hmm. your body. So then it, people are, I mean, it's amazing what's happening in the world right it's now. It's true. It's true. It's a really cool time to it be. It is. It is. Yes. So having all this experience and, alternative consciousness and alternative medicine, you know, what, and in addition to that, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of medical intuition work, which when people, that gets people a little bit like, huh, medical intuition. And, you know, and so, I mean, I basically have always had, when it goes back to the story of how this all happened, like I basically have always had a, a kind of a gift, I suppose, of 
knowing and feeling the energies of, of different children that are connected to people. Mm. And I felt that in my own life with the, with my daughter, when my daughter came on the scene into my, my energy system. Oh my, or my gosh, aura, you have you to will. tell me all about it. it it's, um, it's a pretty beautiful story. I write about it in my, my book actually, Aww. and probably in better in more detail, but that was the first time that, I mean, I had a vision of her mm-hmm. and after that moment, I knew basically that she was always tied to me. And I always knew that I was going to have this only child, girl, daughter. Um, And so I, you know, I was almost, I thought that that experience was just my own. I thought it was just a unique experience. But then with that very first person who came to me for fertility work, I, it was also that sense that I had of like, oh, I got it. You've got like tons of things connected to you. Like there's no there's no worries here. Like people are wanting to come in to be a part of your life. Mm-hmm. And so that's also by extension, that's what I've worked with through the years with people is like when we, when they're not sure of their, their intuitive, their gut feeling, yeah. that's when I come in and help be an advocate for them because I, I sense it. I don't like to tell them as much. I mean, I'm, I don't fancy myself as like a straight up psychic or yeah, something yeah. like that, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome too. Mm-hmm. But, um, the advocacy for people, women, and the process of getting pregnant, touching base uh, with their intuition, and really like cultivating the practice of listening to it, mm-hmm. and this kind of like allegiance to it above mm-hmm. all else, yeah, you know, is a very powerful tool. Whether or not you're going through IVF, you know, egg donor, mm-hmm. freezing your eggs, just getting pregnant on your own, etc. Because when you have that kind of allegiance to this core intuitive knowing which mm-hmm. everyone has everyone has it everyone like has yes. when you almost connect- you can yeah. start to navigate the system yourself and that's the best way like that's motherhood mm-hmm. people think it's like way over here you get pregnant and then you're a mother when you have your baby but as soon as you start like having that like how can I be so, like really connected and care for my child and do everything that they need before they even get here like that's the first those are the first steps of motherhood. Mm-hmm. So it's almost always there. It's just about kind of restructuring the way people talk to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how like, like babies mm-hmm. and calling, like we were just kind of making fun of, but basically it is true. You're calling in a conscious being that's yeah. choosing you or people say that. And I really believe in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. Well, I think the good, a, a good way to talk about it for people in general who may or may not have experience mm-hmm. getting pregnant, mm-hmm. um, is to talk about some of the tools more that we do know of spirituality and the esoteric. Mm -hmm. So we talk about this in my book as well, but um, ways to connect things that you can start to do to, to sense that energy Mm -hmm. Uh, things like synchronicity um, dreams are a really powerful tool. Uh, Prayer can really come into it. But for instance, actually the the woman who I was speaking about a little bit ago who had um, who went through IVF yeah. and basically had a successful pregnancy in her late forties. I remember the moment I was walking with her after a session. She's a friend too. So mm-hmm. after we hung out, um, we were hanging out at, at a restaurant in Soho and we turned the corner and there was a little, um, there's this artist, graffiti artist in New York who hangs little free art around that you Whoa. can take. And we turned the corner and it was a little like beautiful picture of a baby 
And she was right oh as she was gosh. speaking about like maybe being ready. And I was like, well, and so That's she took incredible. it. She took the art <gasps> and then she went into the process. She was, she took it as a, you know, a good, good sign, a synchronistic sign. Right. Um, and also like some reinforcement that that was, that she's on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little message because that's mm-hmm. the that's the thing about like having the space to listen you have the receptivity then you can start to actually interpret the magic mm-hmm. right and it's this is all like powerful tools for getting pregnant so yeah. it seems like it might be that's the thing about it like how do you switch from the on western mind to the like receptive allowing yeah and it's all it's actually a lot of fun stuff you know it's, and knowing <laughs> that you're supported and no matter that you're what supported I I mean this doesn't have anything to do with fertility but it's so funny because I'm one of those people that like when I go to a cafe mm-hmm. um and I'm with someone and one of us can stand in line like I want to go get a seat right away yeah and my husband is so like no we can't do that that's not fair for the people in front of us and we have to let them go choose uh-huh. their seats like, I don't like when people do that And I love that he's like that. And recently, I mean, actually, it really irritates the heck out of me, but I love that he is that way because it reminds me to slow down. Mm -hmm. And recently I've been thinking so much about how it's really about knowing that you're supported and you're going to like, it's going to come to you when you need it and that it's okay to like, wait. And it's whether you're in a line at a cafe and you just need a table or you want to get pregnant or whatever it is yeah. in your life. And that's the doubt. That's every the time, of the doubt. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And every time I remind myself that before I get irritated, because then I don't get irritated. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm supported. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I don't need to rush and, you know, try and hustle my way into whatever I want. And it's amazing that practice and mm-hmm. that thought process, mm-hmm. but you know, living in New York city or being in Southern California and everything's go, go, go. You don't really, sometimes you forget and you get caught up and you're in traffic and everything is just crazy. That's right. And I think I mentioned that's one of the opportunities that happens for a lot of people when it comes to not getting pregnant right when they want to. For a lot of people, it's the first time, which is amazing because we're so fortunate in the 21st century in Western culture, sometimes the first thing we don't experience getting what we want. Yeah. Isn't not getting pregnant? Yeah. You like, can't, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's, um, but it is true that a lot of people, especially now, you know, I, I quote this in my book and a good friend of mine told me this years ago. She's like, you know, the difference between a woman in the 1960s and the, a woman now, when you asked a woman in the 1960s, how many kids are you going to have? They would always answer, God knows. God knows. Yeah. Right. And you ask anybody now. They know. Like I can ask my daughter who's five. Yeah. And she's like, I want to have two girls, <laughs> no boys, two girls. And I'm like, what are you like, <laughs> you so know, it's true. a very different, right? Yeah. So that, that want and that desire, which is great. I mean, it's, it could be connection. Maybe mm-hmm. she knows, the, I mean, she probably does know the souls of her babies that are out there, yeah. but uh-huh. it's also you know, how do you take into account all these other variables that come in outside of just, okay, that switch is ready. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. And now, you know, you can know the gender, whereas before you obviously couldn't. Yeah. There's ways to know the gender too. And conscious conception, you can work on that without science. Actually, I have an acupuncturist who said that he can tell through the 
heartbeat. Oh, yes. Is that, has, I, I, is that accurate? I'm 95% right on with that. Oh it's gosh. a very specialized way. I mean, Chinese medicine is rooted in pulse diagnosis. Yeah. So not everybody practices that in their practice. Mm-hmm. But um, if you do, if you're heavily rooted in pulse diagnosis, as I am, then pregnancy, gender, you can tell through That's yeah, sex. You can tell through pulse. Yeah. Yeah, but there, I'm saying more than that, there's ways that you can, according to certain ancient calendars mm-hmm. and sexual positions, and if you yeah. have an orgasm or not, these things all influence like prostaglandins, which influence which sperm, et cetera, et cetera. So, so incredible. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think, I mean, this, obviously it's biological, but I want to get into why do women get to bear the children? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Why do women get to bear the children? Well, I, why does only one? What's well, true of females of all the mammals, right? With the exception of what the seahorse, right? Like that's the only. Yeah. Thing. So, um, which is a tonic herb in Chinese medicine, seahorse? by the way. Yes. Oh my gosh, what is it good for? Virility. Hmm. Male virility, <laughs> of course. That's hilarious. There, yeah, there's some great Chinese tonics that are like, whoa, I don't know. <laughs> that one's a little strange, um, but. By the way, this is a side note, but it actually gets me like a little crazy how early people use adaptogens and tonics in their life. I was always taught that you save your big guys, your ginsengs and all your your strong ones for when you're older, when you really need them. If you take all your strong tonifying herbs in your 20s, they're just not going to have the effect that they're going to have later on. Oh my god! When you need them, yeah. Right now, people are just like downing the herbs into their smoothie. <laughs> a million. Th- I used to do that all the time. Like I was David Wolf style, and I would just be like, "Oh yeah, I'll just like down this whole jar right now into my mouth. It tastes terrible, but it's like good for me." It's just like this. Con- you said I just, all my younger patients. I was like, "I know you guys are working really hard." You're like. 28 got a great job in Manhattan you're busting ass and you're working great and you're like but like all that hard work you you can appreciate it when you're like 50 like 40s and 50s so like like save some energy for like 60 just save a little bit right Mm So that's just my side note on tonics. But <laughs> <laughs> on seahorse tonics yes. and more. No. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, talking about gender and I, I just we talk a lot about this mm-hmm. um internally at the fullest about there's so much conversation around gender sure. right now. Yeah. And it's so important. It's important to bring it up, especially where I live. I live in Orange County. Mm-hmm. It's a suburb mm-hmm. of LA. Mm-hmm. And I I've I used to just be like, oh my God, no one, he- people here don't get it. They're, they're so in their own world and they're in a little bubble. They don't understand like what's going on in the world. And, and I used to be so judgmental about it. And now I'm like, well, I have an opportunity to educate sure. and I have an opportunity to talk about what's going on and what I've learned. And so I've learned so much about gender and along with gender in this spiritual community and the wellness community we talk Mm -hmm. a lot about masculinity and Mm -hmm. femininity Mm -hmm. and the masculine and feminine energy and we always are wondering well what does that mean because we talk about gender and how it's fluid Mm -hmm. but is gender fluidity that you just again have that binary of masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. um but then you but you don't it's not it's just like really confusing so I want to hear 
about your thoughts. And I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. Mm -hmm. I think it's just how we view it and, Mm -hmm. um, and how we analyze it in our own lives. Yeah. The spirit, the soul of a child can be called to anyone, right? It doesn't matter if you're what sex you are, right? Um, that desire can be there. And I'm, when I speak of this, I, I speak beyond just children you have biologically as well. I mean, it's children who can come into your life through um, adoption mm-hmm. or donor eggs or perhaps children who are your partner's children. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all different ways that you can be connected to many different souls in this lifetime, right? Infinite. But when it comes to gender fluidity, masculine and feminine and the masculine and the feminine and you know the the kind of infamous yin and yang Mm -hmm. circle the black and the white Mm -hmm. and how each one contains a little bit of the other so that's essentially within within Taoism, yin and yang are constantly constantly turning into each other there's Mm -hmm. a constant dance so a constant fluidity and i think you definitely have people who could get could characterize as more yang and more people, like, I tend to be more yen. I'm a very yen type person, but I'm also very yang in some ways in my actions and uh, the way I do things. But my yen dominance seems to be what people pick up on more. But it's almost like... Is that calm? You know, yen traditionally is ruled rules uh, the feminine. It rules the nighttime. It rules the moon. It rules the nutritive substances. It rules the dense organs as opposed to the yang organs, which are hollow. They do more functional work. Yang is daytime, masculine, action, sunshine. It's more of functional energy, more like adrenal energy. Mm -hmm. So they have this constant dance in the body, nighttime, daytime. Your your personality can definitely be influenced by them. And constitutionally, it's a good way to think about the mind-body connection again, Mm -hmm. right? So say constitutionally, you just have more of a... And like the five element concept of Chinese medicine, you can be like a fire type. You can be more of a fire type. That might depend on um, when you were born might be influencing that or where you're born or the year you're born. So there's different ways that you can think about how the structure of your physiology could have impact. Yeah. Which part of that you're mm-hmm. more is more dominant for you. But it also is just something that changes in, throughout life as well. Um, It's a really good question. I do work with a lot of people um, who are not traditional people getting pregnant. Um, And I love that. I love the idea of of breaking, you know, models. Yeah, me too. So I don't know if that, why, I don't know if it's always been true on earth that women have always, females have always carried. I don't know. You know, I mean, earth's a very old, old, old planet and what we're living in is very small as far as what we understand. Mm -hmm. But for now, it seems to be working. I think people probably will be using more and more surrogates in the future. Yeah. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a lot more people open to that. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Handmaid's Tale? Oh gosh. (laughs) It just like reminded me of that. I was an expert. uh, I I went to a book club in New York, this international book club as an expert. Oh on my fertility gosh. for the handmaidens still. 
I don't know. You know, I personally, I'm not a big fan of dystopias. Mm -hmm. I think we really, I think I wrote an article for the fullest on utopias. Like if we're so concerned with dystopias and we're not dreaming up something better. Mm -hmm. And if, I mean, we're all very aware of the place in the state of the planet and just the like radicalness of what's happening. Um, Do I think it's possible? Sure. I think it's possible. I mean, I think that female sexuality and pregnancy has always been a commodity, um, at least in the last couple hundred thousand years on earth. So it's easy to see that that's a a good parable of what Mm -hmm. could happen. Um, yeah, ultimately I don't, I don't love that book. (laughs) I don't, I I mean, I I love Margaret Atwood, but I don't ultimately, the Handmaid's Tale is not my favorite. Yeah. It created a lot of fear in me, but at the same time I loved it so much, but uh, what I really wanted to talk about with The Handmaid's Tale was like the idea that, w- I mean, it's true. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like 1% of the population is using IVF now or? Well, up to 12% of people experience fertility problems. So I I mean, IVF. And that has like gone oh, it's, up. it's skyrocketed. I mean, I see people younger and younger and it's hard to tell whether it's about just impatience. Yeah. Or actually like just not like waiting or if it's actually you know environmental environmental biological yeah I mean all those things contribute for sure what are some things that are environmental that could contribute Mm -hmm. to it when I was working at the hospital in Shanghai I worked on a study with a doctor there and it was really great for me to see because what happened in in China over the last two decades was uh, industrialization which we experienced in the west much earlier. So you could, we could start to track the effects of industrialization, meaning processed foods, environmental mm-hmm. pollution on, um, this one area that affects fertility called polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it affected fertility. It sure can. Yeah. It depends on yeah. how the pathology kind of gets interpreted by your body. But so a lot of it stems from insulin resistance and all kinds of things, environmental pollution. Um, estrogens, et cetera. And so what happens with, in that case, we saw when I was working on the study, it was like shocking. It was like a 30% increase in PCOS within like five to seven years of industrialization. And so you can see very clearly the impact of that. But I also have to say like, you know, Margaret Atwood, she, she came up second wave feminism. Like she was in this hardcore, like, Six, 70s movement of like yeah. really fighting structures that were that nobody had nobody had gone through the jungle yet right yeah. like it was they were like ah and so they used a lot of um I read about this in my book a lot like how anger is a very powerful tool mm-hmm. um but it's the aftermath of anger where most of the the real powerful work can be done and so I feel I feel like and that happens in reproduction because it one of the first things that happens when you don't get pregnant and somebody else gets pregnant is you get pissed off. You get pissed <laughs> off. You get so angry. You're like, I'm doing everything. Right. I've got a great partner. I've got everything. Why is that person over there? Or, or you get angry at your partner because mm-hmm. somehow it's their fault. So anger is a very dynamic, dynamic emotion. But then what is, how can you use that to move into something else that can be more effective and functional for that self-connection and to intuition? A lot of the movement in the 70s and the great feminism that came about, you know, birth control, (laughs) oral birth control became legal for non-married people in 1968. 
So I always talk about pretty controversially, because most people in reproductive medicine don't think that there's any connection between long-term use of oral birth control and fertility. But for me, I think what I've seen is that reproductive, the kind of infertility, I would say crisis, because who knows, it might get more intense. It might be more of a crisis, but as it's becoming more and more, we're getting more and more aware of it. People are having more problems with it. I always say it's kind of unintended consequence of of the sexual revolution and, and reproductive. I agree. And I, I, yeah, I feel like I have an interesting viewpoint like you as well, Mm -hmm. because on one end, I believe that women should have the right to birth control, but I don't necessarily believe in oral birth control Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. that um, Mm -hmm. the solution Mm -hmm. because I, I just don't think that's the best way to go about it. I've, I mean, personally, I was really affected by it in a negative way. So that's where, um, that's where my belief comes from. But at the same time, when you're young, I don't know if necessarily you have, like I stopped taking it and I would just track my cycle. Mm -hmm. And so that works for me, mm-hmm. but I don't know about when you're young and you don't have a regular cycle, what are other ways that you can track it sure. so you don't take oral? Yeah, but we we really, we do our young people injustice by just assuming that they're incapable of learning about their fertility, their mm-hmm. sexuality, that they're incapable of being educated. You're right. You know, it, it's... um. Because we we're just saying them. we don't trust them. Right, we don't they're trust... They're not old We enough. don't trust you. Our fear yeah. trumps... Our, our capability of educating you. Yeah. And that, I mean, of course, that also creates a block and a disconnect. I had a totally. patient a couple of weeks ago. She's like, I, my mom always told me, because I grew up really Catholic. She got pregnant when she was young. She told me if I had sex, I'd get pregnant. And so she had this belief system that anytime she had sex, she would get pregnant. She didn't understand her cycle, you know? So of course this contributed to her infertility, Yeah, right? So if somebody would have just told her back then, like, that's nonsense. Don't be afraid of your sexuality. Don't be afraid of your capacity to reproduce. It's so true. It affects her reproduction. It also affects, yeah, her connection to her sexuality. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So crazy. So so yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, I think education is really, I mean, openness with sexuality, Mm -hmm. education about reproduction, um, just like trying to change the conversation about how people think about that. You know, mm-hmm. also on that note, like a lot about a lot of what I work with and a lot of what I help people navigate is trauma. And so some of the experiences that people have with their sexuality, like so few people have initial experiences with sex that are positive yeah. ones. Right. And especially if you, you know, your parents, or your family is not going to be happy about it mm-hmm. and say something isn't great that happens to you, that just that experiencing gets shut down and buried right Mm -hmm. and maybe you have a couple friends but what are your you know 15 year old (laughs) friends know compared to like an aunt who's Mm -hmm. like 30 you know like or so like there's ways that we really can like help to promote people's connection to their sexuality and their fertility that isn't about taking a pill right yeah it's different ways it's just like take a pill and we know you're good yeah and shut up right because we don't want to talk about it and we don't want to worry about you because mm-hmm. we want to stay focused on what we're, we have going on. Exactly. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. What about, so, I mean, speaking of that, that's, I, that's a more, why would you say that's controversial? 
because it is, but it's like so interesting, the conservative and liberal viewpoint. Because mm-hmm. I think that's like a more, I mean, it's it's just a bipartisan way it's of going about it. It's controversial in medicine. Yeah. Because there's no clinical proof. Yeah. But there haven't been extensive studies really carried out on it either. So, I mean, I, I think that, again, if you are connected to your intuition, that gut knowing. No, I mean, every expert in the world, no matter how hard they've worked, no matter how hard they've studied, how many patients they've seen, how many books they've written, et cetera, compares with your intuitive knowing. Mm-hmm. That's the best advice I have going into the birth process. Yeah. Like connect to your intuition and let that be the guide. And if somebody's not listening to it or is making you feel like it's wrong, then just get yeah. them out of there. They're not the right person to mm-hmm. be around you. And there's so many amazing people who are really integrated, who are super well-trained, who do want to be your advocate in that, mm-hmm. in that place. So so what's going on with all these doctors getting killed? <laughs> <laughs> all these holistic oh, doctors. Such great questions. Well, I... Uh, let's see. I don't even know what the count is up to these days. No way. It's oh a my lot. gosh, it's actually like not even funny. Where is that happening? In the States? All over the world. All over the world. But uh, predominantly, I believe one of the... Uh, one of the doctors who was killed in the Midwest pretty recently, she was from Australia originally. And she was, you know, it was, it, it was one of these things where you're like, how insane is this? This is just some, was this just really wrong place, wrong time synchronicity that she was randomly shot in this neighborhood? And, you know, and when she was visiting here, it, I don't know. It's very, I mean, there's definitely a lot of ways to think about <clears throat> the systems of the earth that like to keep things the way they are. Yeah. And either if that's actual people or political things, or if it's more just energetic, like water likes to go a certain way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you come in there and try and change the way the water goes, there's a chance that something's going to come along and like just wash you downstream. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not sure at what level energetically it's happening at. I think it is why it's important as it is in politics, as it is in medicine, that you, we collectively work together. We collaborate together. We're always stronger together mm-hmm. as humans, always. So when we, um, when we at least have each other's back and we have collaborative communication and discussions, we're stronger. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I really wish I had a better answer. I, I have been infected by it. I've known a few people. Not personally, but like wow. friends who have worked with people who who have, <gasps> yes, been murdered or committed suicide or <gasps> these kinds of things. So, wow, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the whole um, Monsanto, the farmers, right, committing suicide with the Roundup. Yeah, you know, I was, I think I was in third grade, sitting at a restaurant in West Texas when there was a package of Sweet and Low on the on the table. And my best friend's dad was like this hardcore Republican. And he's like, oh, yeah, Monsanto, Reagan just appointed him to the FDA. And I was like, I remember hearing that going, what? Like, the guy who made NutraSweet is like, is the head of, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, you know, I was a child. That was a long time ago. But so, you could just tell how that doesn't make any yeah, sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. No checks and balances. No checks and balances. Exactly. So at least people now you see what's happened with the last couple of decades and people are more and more conscious. I think 
they get, they're so sneaky though. Yeah. Like I am so sketched out about grass fed stuff. That's not organic. Cause I'm like, um, Monsanto owns. Oh yeah. Like they basically make grass that's filled with chemicals. True. And then there's like all this grass fed stuff at Walmart. And I'm like, I mean, I, that you hear it's everywhere now, yeah. but I'm like, it's not organic. So what's going on? I right. mean, obviously there are farms that work and it takes forever to get that certification. And I understand the process is hard and it's costly, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they, I mean, it's everything's, I don't know. You just have really have to dig deep. It's true. I mean, I think personally having been in, you know, I'm deeply invested in, in, in medicine and the way people think about medicine, but I still think that medicine is the most unquestioned structure in America. You know, people will question where their food comes from or many other aspects of like conscious living. But when it comes to certain paradigms of medicine, it's like, this is what, this is what my, you know, doctor my said. doctor said. That- and it's not, you're not able to question that mm-hmm. without people kind of being like, well, what do you, you don't know. Yeah. You know? It's so, so interesting. It's, I think that'll begin to change more and more, but we'll see. And as a doctor <laughs> to be saying that, well, you know, it's so important for doctors to come out and say, no, like, listen to your body. Yes. I'm here to guide you, but it's scary too. Yeah. When you're, I mean, when you're practicing in that way. So you try, I mean, I think it's easy. Everybody, everybody's human. So you get tired and you're just trying to help somebody and you know, you want to go home and you got an office full of people. So you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. but that extra bit of time where you really just like sit and listen and hear without a judgment about what that, from your own perspective Mm -hmm. about what's going on, you know, it's again, like people usually will tell you if you just listen, what really is the root of what's happening. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for joining us. It was, it was so much it was fun. A really stout matcha. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit like, yeah. I know. I'm I'm almost done and kind of regretting that I drank all that, but I love it Just so much. Just have some water. You'll be okay. But yeah. thank you. It's such a beautiful place and thank so lovely you. to be here in this great energy here. I'm so excited for your new clinic. Yes. Yes. It is called New Clinic. And it's really? Be, yeah. It's our office is called That's New Clinic. so cool. Yep. I love that. Yeah. 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 And then so you'll have I to... also do a lot of work, mostly consulting online these days, I'm moving more into doing more online education. And That's I work with people amazing. now around the world. So do like calls with people and just kind of get to the root of what's getting in the way. Yeah, of them. I think that's so great because it's I mean, that's how people are spending their time now is online and that's how they're getting their information. So it's, and they don't necessarily always have access to go that's right. or the resources to fly to yeah. see someone in person. So it's nice. Yeah. Well, I love to be women's, I love advocacy for people. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.